0: So that did last, but others where I didn't put in role descriptions didn't last, and then it becomes messy because it's uh, well you said, he said, she said, but I thought you meant that. No, but I told you that, dot, 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 and that becomes incredibly messy. And then I started with formally doing job profiles and then did them very, very badly, and over the years I've learned how to do them better and better. I think an important a thing to notice if you, you hear the journey the evolution of my relationship with the job profile and if you've been following any of my podcasts you will know that i have an iterative approach to everything the question is when do we write a job profile and there's always two trigger points
1: hi i'm gareth armstrong and you're listening to a razor's edge podcast that's the voice of Alon Reyes, CEO of Racecorp, and our guide during this hiring series. Alon's successes and failures have taught him lessons about hiring that he shares with the goal to help us grow as quickly and effectively as possible while avoiding expensive, possibly business sinking employment mistakes. Let's pick up on Alon's comments about those two times one writes a job or role description.
0: The question is when. Do we write a job profile? And there's always two trigger points, when somebody joins and when somebody leaves. So every time somebody joins race corporate, when it's a new role, the discipline is that you cannot even put out the advert to look for that individual unless there is a signed-off role description or job profile or job description, whatever you want to call it. And secondly, that... All the subsequent stuff, which we'll deal in the podcast series right now, all the subsequent stuff is in place. I.e. there's an employment contract in place. We are very clear on the remuneration structure. There is an appointment pack. We've got a fail early metric. We've got a quality metric, etc. So these, all the the rest has to be in place before we actually employ. So there is no false start where we start and then we land up in we're just kicking the can forward and we've got issues down the line. You know what you want.
1: An HR specialist listening to this might be appalled at the crossover use of the terms job description, job profile, role description, and any similar naming faux pas you might hear during this episode. Alon has employed well over a thousand people for the many businesses he has started, run, or invested in. And his view is you can call it whatever you want, but it must assist you to accomplish some key outcomes. Let me
0: just preface this with a very, very important point. When you are creating a business, when you are designing a business, you create the role. Once you've got the role correct, then you're looking for what is the type of person, what are the characteristics, capabilities, competencies that you are looking for in that individual. So if it's for example a, a finance role, attention to detail might be a very, very important uh, factor. If it's in a design role, creativity is an important factor. But if it was an accountant, well maybe you're one of those people looks for creative accountants, but generally you're looking for one that has attention to detail. The question is, how do you test for creativity and how do you test for attention to detail? Because everyone will say that they've got certain things. So in the assessments, which we'll discuss later, you're looking for the capability is this is what you should do and you should be capable of doing these things. And those would be things like if you're a bookkeeper, you perhaps need an accounting degree or diploma, et cetera, which would be a proxy for you being able to do it and generally that's the proxy and when it comes down to your characteristics it might also reverse back into the role but there is another part to the individual that you want and that is their basically their alignment to the culture of the organization so you're looking for people who will fit into the organization and the department that they're in
1: but I'm a one-man business or a two-man business or a three-person business, and you're telling me that I need to have a culture.
0: Yes, because you are the, in the beginning, if you're a one-man business and you are employing your first person, they have to align to you. If there's a cultural misfit, which is also another way of saying that there um, values misalignment or approach misalignment. And when I say misalignment, I don't mean a difference. I say misalignment, because it could be that we approach the thing from different points of view, but we are aligned in what we're trying to achieve. So if you've got a misalignment, then it becomes another issue to deal with. So the person's got all the right characteristics that they've got the attention to detail, they've got the capabilities, they've got that degree, they've got the experience, all those wonderful things, but they arrive there and you, you and them clash because you've just got completely different views on how things need to get done. You, the entrepreneur, it's your business. The alignment needs to happen to you. I say that with a pinch of salt because a good entrepreneur will also listen to feedback and would want to learn and adjust. But the point is it's, it's your show and generally people need to conform to your way of doing things.
1: It's such an important point to emphasize entrepreneurs that successfully grow businesses aren't just filling a gap in the market with a superior quality product or solution they actively and consciously are designing their businesses to do this as effectively and efficiently as possible as we do so here's a phrase we've all heard quoted by someone at one time or another hire for attitude and train for skill before we move into more detail about role descriptions Let's get along to take on this oft-repeated phrase.
0: High for attitude, train for skill, I think is a is a very sexy term. I think should hire for attitude and hire for skill. I think that's the right way to go, especially as a small business, because you don't want to be training somebody in a role. It takes time and effort, which you need to do to build your products and go and sell your products. You want somebody to know what they're doing. So uh, let's take a very black and white role which is a bookkeeping business. So it might be that the way that we do things around here is we use zero, not Sage. These are the reports that we want, report A, B, C and D. A cutoff date before we close off a month is the 10th and those are the kinds of things that we would train. The specifics of the training that I'm talking about is the specifics around how a department works. Or how we do things around here. So, in the job description, it would say that you would have to have, you know, timiest books. Uh, timiest books would mean the tenths that you have up, to, up until the tenths before the cutoff happens. That would be the level of training. In some instances, there are additional capabilities that are very bespoke to your business. So, for example, in RaceCorp, we've got guiding. So, we would take a base. Individual, which is somebody with experience in their own business, somebody who's degreed, and somebody who's got some level of coaching experience. We take uh, that individual. We would test it to see that they've got the correct empathy, skills, etc. And once they come into RaceCorp, we would give them additional training on how to become a guide, which is a variance on how to coach in, in, in a different approach. So we would give them that particular skill that they cannot get elsewhere. However, I'm not gonna bring in a bookkeeper and teach them the difference between debit and credit. That I'm not gonna do. I would only teach them about you know which reports that we want and perhaps how to derive those reports, what buttons to push to get those reports. But I'm not gonna teach them how to be a bookkeeper.
1: So why is this clarification so important? The following is going to deepen our understanding.
0: So in the beginning, it's you. It's very definitely you. You are creating those job profiles because in the beginning, generally everyone reports to you, right? And if there is another report structure, you're probably very interested in what's going on in that job. So you'd be involved in that. As the business grows, the heads of department would start to create those job profiles but they would follow a template that has been designed for your business and has a huge amount of history in your business. So that structure, that template is well-known and people understand how to create it and how to interpret it. So that template would be different for many businesses. But I'm going to talk about what we do and what we do with all our businesses. And I'm not saying this is what you should do definitely, but this works for us. So you want to know what is the name of the job? What's the title? You want to know what the purpose is of this job? In in a line or two, what do you do? So a sales executive, the purpose is to sell and retain clients. You know, it's like a simple. Let's get on the same page, and then a full comprehensive list of what is required by that job. Now that actually. Over time, it becomes more and more comprehensive and more and more specific. I find that the more specific, the more comprehensive the job profile is, the better the alignment is. Because when somebody is in the interview process and in the first weeks of joining the organization, we use the job profile as part of the training of this is what this means, this is what this means, and it's a comprehensive list of what your job entails, so we build that out. It also assists us later where we might have missed something out and then would want to add that back into the job profile. Earlier I said that there are two points where you create a job profile, one when somebody joins for the first time in a role and the second is when somebody leaves. The first thing that we do when somebody leaves is get their job profile and say, okay, what did we get wrong and what did we get right? And how do we modify this job profile or update this profile accordingly? So the organization has evolved, so it would be cleaning that kind of stuff up. It would be enhancing the job profile with all the new stuff that has come about over the, the last couple of years since that person has joined and to ensure that it's up to date for the next person coming in. When you go to the second part of the job profile, which is the characteristics of the individual. So these are the characteristics of a, of a successful applicant. This is what we're looking for. You would update those accordingly as well. So that's the second piece is what characteristics are are we looking for in the individual. And then we look for what are the skills required by the individual. So not only are we describing what they do, but we're also describing who they need to be as an individual and what their capabilities should be.
1: Alon said something interesting in his explanation that I challenged him on. He described how he felt the tighter a role or job description, the better. My mind immediately imagined a dull, almost colourless world where everyone is walking one behind the other in a precise and predetermined way and pattern, while the overseer entrepreneur looks on. In other words, I saw human drones performing repetitive, robotic tasks.
0: It can be robotic. And in a weird way, it needs to be robotic and it is the entrepreneur and the manager's role to create the humanics around that. But without the specificity of, of a role description in terms of what I, I require, what I need from you, then it becomes gray. And the way I manage that role description, if I have to go back, it's like a, an ANC, you know, anti contract. If you have to go and read the anti-nuptial contract, there is a problem. Okay When you're going back To go and read that There's a problem already And it's the same thing In the job description So the job description As I said earlier Is more used to For me as an entrepreneur know what I want To be able to express that To to you And to inform the training Your training As to what I want That is its real benefit But if I have to come back And say Ah well I asked you You know To do X, Y and Z And you did X, Y and A and your view was A was better than Z, well, either it is, and I think, oh, cool. Thanks, eh? I I didn't get that. Or I go, no, no, I want Z, and now we've got an alignment issue, and so we have the conflict. What I've seen with entrepreneurs who use role descriptions, it's also, it can be one of two things. It either can be a battering ram, and to say, this is my will, or it is directive. And saying this is so sort of the direction I want. And so I still work in a very organic way with that individual, with the role description being the skeleton and my relationship with that individual being the the flesh and skin around that skeleton.
1: So it's not about employing robots, it's all about results. And Alain shares that there is most definitely flex in role descriptions as well.
0: If uh, I never had a role, you know, whatever that role is, it was my first time doing it, I am 100% going to be getting it wrong. I'm going to miss out stuff. I'm going to have stuff in there that is not even important or relevant or will never be used because it was part of my imagination of how I thought it would pan out. And that's why there's generally such a high failure rate because I'm expecting you to do a whole bunch of things you came from the previous job and you were doing something different and there is a misalignment and so now we have to either find ourselves or one of us has to adapt okay or both adapt so that generally causes friction and ultimately on average leads to somebody exiting out of frustration and it's generally your fault as the entrepreneur, not, not the individual you are employing, because you're busy doing a whole bunch of other things, and you're trying to say, just, just get on with it. You know what I want. Just get on with it. And they don't know what you want. Then they leave, and then you go, oh my gosh, okay, now what do I want? I definitely don't want that, and I don't want that, and I do want this, and so it gets a little tighter, and then that person might leave after a year or two and it gets tighter and tighter. So in your question, when you're asking about rigidity, it's rigid but wrong in the beginning and rigid but closer to right a few years in with an existing role that you are very clear about what you want.
1: That's an interesting thought. If your employee is not delivering what you are expecting from their role, it's your responsibility to look at yourself and your design of the role before looking at them and working out if they are the cause of the non-delivery. We're coming to the end of the discussion and Alon shared two more important additions. What we do with the role description once we have it and the benefit to us as the business owner and entrepreneur if we embrace the role description design and creation process.
0: Job profiles need to be saved and stored in a very easy to understand format where it would generally be under a department and it would be version controlled and dated so that you know when the last version of this job profile was created and what version number you're on. Sometimes a version number will change because of a, I wouldn't say a spelling mistake, but maybe there was a paragraph that moved from one section to another, or there was something deleted or a quick little addition or a a, a nuance change to some wording where you update the version control. So it's very important that you're working from the latest version and that you've got a, a system where you're able to store that. I think the bottom line with the job profile is it's a very important process to go through to define what you want. It's got nothing to do with the other person. It's more to define what you want so that you can express it and train it. The more times you go through it, the more times it iterates, the more confident you are, the more clear it becomes, the more pragmatic and real it becomes as a role. Because very often when we start off with a role description, it's hypothetical, it's imaginative, it's a desire of what I want you to do. But there's a huge amount of pragmatism that comes in or practicality that comes in that just cannot allow that individual who's being employed to do those things.
1: If you have any questions or thoughts you'd like to share related to this episode or hiring in general, please feel free to share these on the Race Corps page on your favorite social media platform. Please use the hashtag avoidinghiringmistakes to help us locate it more easily. Alternatively, you can make contact with us using the options found on racecorp.com. My name is Gareth Armstrong and I'll see you in the next episode where we discuss remuneration.